In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Richard Channing Moore, born 1762, was a medical doctor turned ordained clergyman, rector of St. Stephen's Church, New York City, second bishop of Virginia. While very little is actually known of his ministry, there was something powerful that was said about him in the early 1800s as follows. With earnest zeal, Richard Moore so preached the gospel of the grace of God that multitudes were found in the valley of decision. I read that many years ago, and it came back to me again uh, this week because there's clearly something like a valley of decision that emerges in this dialogue between Joshua and the tribes of Israel in the Old Testament lesson for this Sunday and also this little dialogue between Jesus and his disciples that we find in the sixth chapter of John. First, here is Joshua, who is none other than Moses' successor, who called together all the tribes of Israel, the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they were surrounded by nations who have no love for their God. On this day and at this hour, there is no place, no place whatsoever, for this comfortable doctrine that it doesn't matter what you believe is so long as you are true to yourself and you believe it sincerely. It's a very modern notion, you know, but it does matter. It did matter. It was a matter of life and death, death to a nation. If what made Israel special was allowed to die and what made them special is their conviction based upon what God had done in their history and their conviction that they have a special role to play in maintaining before an unbelieving world their belief in the one true God. Joshua sees this and he sees it clearly. He makes them face the issue, confronts them with, by placing before them a momentous decision. Choose this day whom ye shall serve, whether the gods in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land we now dwell. But, and here comes that very well-known verse, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, fast forward many centuries later, because all of this forms the backdrop for Jesus' dialogue with his disciples and the focus of the sermon. Jesus addressed the Jews, gathered great numbers on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and astonishingly, before all to hear, he made himself completely equal with the one true God of Israel. He was clear. He was emphatic. As in the day of Joshua, it was a matter of life and death. He said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, pointing to himself, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats this bread, however, will live forever. After this, we're told that people, some of the people drew back. And no longer went about him. So Jesus turned to his twelve and he confronted them with a momentous decision. Jesus said to the twelve, do you also wish to turn away? 
We simply have to notice how seriously the Bible intends for us to take this decision. This is not a paper or plastic boxers or briefs kind of decision. thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it must strike us how radically Jesus speaks. He intended to persuade his disciples that their first, their predominant, and their ultimate decision in all of life concerns their relationship with him. And we have to notice not only how seriously and radically Jesus speaks, but how personally he speaks. Let's not kid ourselves. We must answer to him, yes or no. I think I hear someone thinking, well, how about the doctrine of election? Didn't Jesus say you did not choose me? I chose you. Yes, he did. But that's a different sermon. And know this, that at the human experiential level, we find ourselves in the valley of decision, confronted with a huge decision. My mother, God rest her soul, always said that my father, being the man of the house, made the decisions. Well, in reality, as I look back, she never talked that way if she had a firm decision. But if she were undecided, she would say, he makes the decisions. And I'll never forget the time many years ago when the family issue was to replace uh, the uh, black and white television with this new thing out, color television. My father procrastinated for a long period of time and then finally called a family meeting in which he said, I have decided. Not to make a decision. True story. Jesus put it before them radically and personally. Do you wish also to turn away and not to make a decision was tantamount to saying, I will turn away. You know, if Jesus would have just confined himself to teaching about churchy things, uh, phylacteries and proper ecclesiastical manners, if he had just confined himself to the Sermon on the Mount kind of material, you know, morality and being peace lovers and being kind to neighbor and so forth, if he had just talked about the dignity of human nature instead of being talking about the human condition as one as being needs to be cleansed from sin by his own blood, then people would have been a whole lot nicer to him. And no one would would have wanted to turn away in the first place. But no, he spoke the truth. He put the cards on the table concerning the helplessness of the human condition and extolling himself as the savior of the world. Was he a lunatic or was he the Lord? That is the decision. Let us consider Peter's reply because he got it right. When he asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Peter said, Lord... To whom else shall we go? You have the words to eternal life. I think Peter had long since realized his own helpless condition. And intuitively, I think he realized that he could never become devout enough and decent enough and charitable enough and moral enough. Peter intuitively intuitively realized the truth that is written in Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. I refer again to the great novelist Walker Percy, one of the great sayings. A reporter once asked him, said, Dr. Walker, why are you a Christian? And Walker responded, what else is there? 
To which the reporter replied, and I don't have the verbatim quote, but something like this. Well, sir, there is Buddhism, there's Hinduism, there's Judaism, there's Islam, there's Unitarianism, there's Mormonism, there's thus and such and thus and such and thus and such and thus and such. And Walker responded, that's what I mean. What else is there? Brothers and sisters, this is indeed radical. It's clear and it's personal. Have you taken your stand with Peter and declared bankruptcy? Because here's the bottom line. If a man or woman has any conceivable alternative to Jesus Christ for the hope of becoming a child of God, of one day standing before God guiltless, or hope vis-a-vis the reality of death, then he or she simply cannot be a Christian. Now, they can be spiritually something else. But they simply cannot, by a classic definition, be a Christian. This world is full of untold thousands of people who leave the valley of decision untouched by any sense of urgency and turn away completely or decide not to make a decision. How sad. How incredibly sad because they will never find what they need more than anything else in the world. And that is the gracious, comforting, all-sufficient love of the Savior who would never, ever forsake them or reject them, no matter what. So let us consider carefully and prayerfully Peter's words. Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. May God draw elected hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake.